When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Afzak, this is Daily Thrones, and it is a quick look at the world of Ice and Fire, talking Game of Thrones, a song of Ice and Fire, prequels, we're talking it all here, and this week we've been kind of focusing on secondary characters, forgotten characters, the ones that are still alive, and asking the question, could they, would they, or should they come back for season eight and factor into the final story in some way, even if it's just for a second, we've talked about Salador San, Dario Naharis. Now we got some other options. Plus, we'll be talking about Star Wars and Game of Thrones yet again. Hey, Ken, so talking about side characters who maybe could help in Season 8, I, I, another one I was thinking about is, what about Quaif? Now, Quaif is a character that, of course, has more stuff in the books than the character actually did on the show, but... I was always fascinated by Quaif, especially in the book, and I was a little disappointed she wasn't featured more on the show. I actually thought she was going to be, but could Quaif make a return? Quaif for season eight? All right, I'm trying to sneak in a rhyme there, but yeah, Eric, great call. Quaif is a character that I have always been intrigued of. Even just on the show, even just the little she appears in season two, all the stuff kind of predicting what Jorah would go through, not just with, with Danny, but literally talking about going through the doom. And now she's putting uh, the doom of Valyria, and she's putting that kind of protection on the, the man laying down in front of her in that one scene, uh, kind of warning Jorah, like, hey, this is what happens if you go through the, do the doom of Valyria unprotected, and Jorah should have listened to that advice. But hey, I guess he's all cured for Grayscale. It all turned out well, right? Going into Season 7, when Jorah had left in 6 to go look for a cure, I was convinced, and here on Daily Thrones, I'm sure it, I talked about it ad nauseum, I was convinced Quaith from the Shadow would return. That something about her and her knowledge and her knowledge of Jorah, his intentions and his heart, would factor into his quest to find the cure for Grayscale. Now, maybe in the books, as Eric points out, Quaith, like a lot of characters, let's be honest, different in the books, more in the books. I think there's just more of Quaith in the books. She more directly speaks to Danny, uh, uses uh, the glass candles to communicate from afar, uh, prophecies, uh, predictions, theories. Quaith is like a, a YouTube show for Game of Thrones. Just a lot of theories and predictions and prophecies for Danny to take in. Uh, but in the show, it's mostly fo focused on Jorah. I, I was, I gotta say, I was kind of convinced. I put down that bet. I would have lost. Kind of convinced that she was going to show up and be part of Jorah's story. Now, maybe she returns and factors into the end. Probably not, which is disappointing. But in the books, might be different. I think maybe she could still reappear in the books and be part of Jorah's journey to uh, not, you know, and we can't say cure the grayscale because that's not necessarily what goes on there, but part of uh, solving some of the, the bigger riddles and mysteries in the story. And that actually could be more directly related to Danny now that I'm thinking about it here on the fly. So Quaith in the books, I think we'll be back. But on the show, 
Most likely not, but it'd be interesting. Interesting if she has some kind of answers. I still like that we're all kind of thinking that there needs to be answers. Uh, whether it's Melisandre, and other red priests or priestesses, Samuel Tarley, Bran. We're looking for people to say, here's how you defeat the Night King. Someone like Quaith could be in that category. But again, are they going to come back? Is Quaith going to come back, join the fight, pick up a sword? No, probably not. But just maybe, just maybe, us Quaith fans can hold out that hope. Hey, Ken, I've been thinking about secondary characters that I want to see uh, maybe make an appearance next season. Um, and every character I thought of is actually dead. Uh, I thought the Blackfish would be cool or uh, Sir Barristan Selmy would be awesome to see in some of these battles or these scenarios and see what they would do. But of course, they're all dead. Um, but then I finally thought of maybe Edmure Tully. Um, it would be cool to see him kind of uh, sort of redeem himself um, and make a make a bigger name for himself. I forget exactly where we left off with him in the show. It's been a while since we've seen him. Um, but it would be cool to see him represent the Tullys and the Riverlands uh, in the battle against the undead. And then I'd also want to see more Dolores Ed. Um, I know, or it looks like Beric and Tormund may be uh, heading towards Castle Black, so maybe we'll get more of him. But I want to see him do something heroic and play a role uh, in the battle against the undead. Jeff calling in with two great choices here. I love both uh, of the characters and the case for these characters in season eight. Now, uh, Dolores, Ed, Dolores, Ed, Dolores, you know, me and Rachel Cushing have gone back and forth, not, not debated, but try to try to figure out how actually it's it's pronounced. I think Dolores, Ed, is the way I go in the end, but, and then she convinced me that I will say. Uh, anyways, Ed, Ed, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, no no vote there. Just kind of handed it, huh? Against tradition. But he's in charge of what's left of the Night's Watch. And I do believe we will see him in Season 8. It just makes sense. Especially with Tormund and Beric still up at the wall, surviving on the top of the wall. I still think he'd just run straight to Castle Black and figure out what to do from there. I, will, I do think we will see what's left of the Night's Watch factor in it. Now, there might not be much of a factor. It might be uh, Dollars Ed's last stand. Uh, it should be kind of bittersweet. Not just bittersweet. It'll just be bitter for me because I do love the Night's Watch. And uh, I think that could be it, though. What do you do? There's, what, less than 50 men up there? Uh, you, you, you're you're going to lose. You know, East Watch by the Sea is done. And, and Castle Black is all that's really left. And Shadow Tower, uh, there can't be many there. So Ed's in charge of a dying house, so to speak. A dying League of Defenders, but I still think he's there, and I'd still love to see him get his licks in and go out fighting if he's to go out at all. That would be interesting to me. Edmer Tully was interesting because I think the last time we really see him, obviously it's talking with Jamie Lannister, giving up River Run, and I think he's locked back away. We've we had that question here before in Daily Thrones. I think we've tried to figure out where exactly Edmer is, and I think it's back in the cells. Oh, poor Edmar. Yeah be nice to see some Tully revenge, right? And, and Edmer specifically. Edmer, he's, you know, he's, uh, he is a, uh, a character that is, uh, taken his lumps. He's made some mistakes. He's not the brightest star in the family, but I think he's a good guy. I think his intentions are, are well, and he didn't deserve to be captured and, and locked in a cell after he beds Rosalind Frey and consummates their marriage, right? And then treated so poorly by the phrase, and then just dismantled by Jamie and forced into uh, a bad, a, a bad decision. I think he had to make. Uh, 
So Edmer coming back and joining this fight in some way or another. Because I think if you got this fight and everyone starts to team up, you got to start taking some people out of the cells. Uh, Edmer getting a little bit of, uh, not just revenge, but just a little bit of, hey, I'm all right. I know you all thought I was a bumbling fool, but I can handle my own. And Maybe he makes up for some past mistakes when a, a final battle. I would like it. Wonder what you guys would think. And how is the Night's Watch going to factor into Season 8? Let's ask that question here, too, on Daily Thrones. Hi, Ken. Byron here. Uh, I just noticed watching The Last Jedi, uh, the, the uh, actor Ralph Innocent, or Rafe Innocent, uh, he appeared just briefly as a, um, like an Imperial officer. And uh, I was disappointed he didn't sort of get more on screen. But I just was wondering uh, what other Game of Thrones actors that you've seen pop up in Star Wars movies lately. Thanks. All right, new caller alert. Byron checking in and uh, just a fun little note on Star Wars actors and Game of Thrones actors crossing over. And he's mentioning Ralph Ineson or, yeah, is it Rafe? I don't know. Rafe Fiennes it is. Ralph Ineson. He's Finchy from the British office, right? Also was the villain in the first night with Richard Gere and Julia Ormond. Uh, anyways, uh, or one of the villains, I should say. Um, but, yeah, he's in The Last Jedi briefly, but he's in the Visual Dictionary. He is a First Order security officer, kind of like the in, uh, intelligence and internal affairs of the First Order, which is similar to what they had in the Empire. They had the white uniforms on, not counting the Grand Admirals. That was uh, the guys who were on this, the Imperial Security Bureau uh, guys. Uh, he's in there briefly. But, yeah, there are a lot of Game of Thrones actors in Star Wars recently, and that's uh, because of the... The casting pools are sometimes the same, especially Star Wars shooting over in Pinewood Studios, cast a lot of UK-based actors, so a lot of them are there. Now, of course, most notably Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma. Uh, you may want her to be more in Star Wars because we get so little Captain Phasma, and I think part of that is because we all love Gwendolyn Christie. So the fact that Captain Phasma's not on the screen a lot, doesn't have a lot to do, is, is frustrating because we know what she can do. But I also still think that her shooting schedule, I, I have no knowledge, no inside knowledge on this, but I sometimes think that her shooting schedule with Game of Thrones is so extensive. All those actors are so tied up with that for so long that maybe she just can't get away to shoot a lot of things in Star Wars. But of course... Gwendolyn Christie is prominent. We have the aforementioned Ralph Ineson, and then we also have from uh, The Force Awakens, we have Miltos Yerolmo. How do you say it? Yerolmo and Sirio Pharrell. All right, it's Sirio Pharrell. He's in uh, The Force Awakens in Maz Kanata's castle. I remember when he was cast, I was like, oh, he's gonna, he'll play like a new Jedi Knight or something. Nah, he's just, he's just a scoundrel in the castle there. And then we have Joe Jareed himself. Thomas Brody Sangster is a First Order officer. He too is in The Force Awakens visual dictionary highlighted there. Uh, he's there just briefly and it was, happened so fast. It was like, wait, that's, hey, Joe, no, oh. All right, it is him. But uh, he is there. And uh, then we also have in Rogue One, we actually have two prominent Game of Thrones actors who are fan favorites. Of course, Barristan Selmy, sir. Ian, uh, was he, is he sir? Well, he's Sir Barristan Selmy, so maybe he's a sir to me. <laughs> Ian, he's not a sir. Ian, uh, Ian Michelini is, of course, General Jan Dodonna. I was disappointed we didn't get more of Dodonna because Dodonna is an interesting character in Star Wars. The first to actually say, may the force be with us. 
or may the force be with you on screen in A New Hope as he briefs the rebels before they go and take on the first Death Star. But he is in Rogue One as Jan Dodonna. And then Francis McGee is in Rogue One as a rebel on the strike force, uh, the initial force under Scarif, the one led by Jen Erso and Cassian Andor. Of course, Francis McGee is Yorin from the Night's Watch. I uh, loved him there. He had his big beard and his uh, kind of shaved uh, head a little bit. He's got the mohawk. He was he was fierce. Wanted more from him. Again, these are just, you know, we're so used to in Star Wars, these secondary third, fourth, fifth tier characters that just show up and they get an action figure and we love them. That's what we grew up with, but it's... Uh, uh, with these Game of Thrones guys, you're like, Yorin, I want Yorin to do something cool. Oh, he's dead. Um, kind of like Game of Thrones. Then in The Last Jedi, we got more, actually. Uh, we have Kate Dickey, Liza Aaron, of course, on the First Order. Uh, in the beginning, the opening scenes, she's the one talking to Hux, saying, hey, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke's looking for you. And also, right there, same scene, we have Patrick O'Kane. Patrick O'Kane, who's he? He's Jagan Agar. But not the main version of Jagan Agar. He is the face you see when Jagan pulls his face off and reveals to Arya that he is a faceless man at the end of season two. He is a First Order officer as well. And of course, Mark Lewis Jones Shaga. He likes his axes. And he also likes being in charge of a First Order dreadnought. Unfortunately, he knows that Hux is not the leader he should be. And he pays the price. He is in the beginning of the First Order. So a lot of First Order staff members coming from Game of Thrones. That's the list I know. Maybe BuzzFeed has another list. You guys let me know. But if I've missed one, let me know. I love the crossover. I want to see more. Get me Charles Dance into the First Order. That's Daily Thrones for the day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.